Well, good evening. Let's try it again. Good evening. There we go. We're slowly getting there. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Welcome to our first Tuesday Chapel for the spring term, 2013. Give yourselves a hand. I'm glad you're here. Uh, there's several. Uh, I know there's a couple that are, this is their first chapel uh, here at NBC. If you see somebody next to you, beside you, um, welcome them. Let's welcome them. Welcome them. Shake their hands if you don't know who they are. Introduce yourselves. We're privileged to have Director of Christian School Education um, for the Christian School Education Program, Dr. Janine McConaughey. She's here this evening. She's going to be bringing us the word. Let's welcome her. Thank you. We're continuing our theme from 2 Timothy chapter 1, where it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we, we believe that. Don't you believe that tonight, that he has given us uh, this, this uh, power and love and of a sound mind? And even though these days of troubles, of fear, of chaos, we can be encouraged, because God has given us uh, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So let's stand this evening. We're going we're gonna to worship. Uh, Isaiah chapter 4 says, Do not fear, the Lord says. It says, No weapon formed against you shall not prosper, shall not stand. So we can, we can uh, be encouraged tonight, and we believe that. In whom shall I fear? Amen. Well, here we are. First chapel of the spring trimester, headed to the finish line of the 2012-2013 academic year. For some of you, to graduation. Okay, I want some cheers for those of you that are doing that. I thought that the first chapel, I got a little ahead of the slides. This is my fault, not Vic's. I thought that the first chapel called simply for encouragement. In fact, I didn't realize I was the first chapel until I was starting to work on this and I went, oh, great, it's the first chapel. So um, this is about, this is a chat. This is a, a conversation about life, being human, and the need to keep calm and carry on. The first week of classes always reminds me of the calm before the storm. Everyone has had a break. Hopefully you got a little rest. You recharged your batteries. The work is coming, but it's not quite here yet. You can see it, but it's, it's not important enough to get busy yet, is it? Okay. <laughs> You're trying to delay that a little bit. You know, there really is such a thing as a calm before the storm. Scientifically, it's when a storm is approaching and uh, it causes changes in the atmosphere, creating a pocket of warm, dry air. Now, that is, it's really much more complicated than that, but 
I saw the description and I thought, we're not going there. We're just not going to try to explain that. So we're saying that it's a pocket of warm, dry air. And it's in that quiet moment when the air is calm that you have a warning to prepare. And if you've, if you've lived, I, I don't know, in places where storms can, all of a sudden there's just quiet. It's quiet. It's calm. But you look at the sky and you know it's going to be anything but calm. And you need to get ready. Hopefully, this time we spend together will be a calm moment that will help you prepare for what is ahead of you. The British had just such a moment to prepare for the World War that they knew would soon reach their shores. That is when the familiar slogan, keep calm and carry on, was created. We see it on mugs, on t-shirts, there's all sorts of renditions of it, but the original uh, story is far more interesting than something on a, on a mug would lead you to believe. And so in my studying this, I found this video that I'm just going to let you watch for a few minutes because it tells the story of Keep Calm and Carry On. In the spring of 1939, during the build-up to war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters. These posters were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. They were required to be uniform in style and were to feature a special and handsome typeface, making them difficult for the enemy to counterfeit. They used the crown of King George VI as the only graphic device and had just two colours. Of the three final designs that went into production, the first poster carried the slogan, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster had the words, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. But the third design, of which over two and a half million posters were printed, simply read, Keep calm and carry on. The first two designs were distributed in September of 1939 and appeared up and down the country in shop windows and railway platforms. But the Keep Calm posters were held in reserve, intended for use only in times of crisis or invasion. In the end, the poster was never officially issued, and it remained unseen by the public until a copy turned up more than 50 years later. It was found in a second-hand bookshop called Barter Books in the northeast corner of England. by a couple, Stuart and Mary Manley. The building used to be an old Victorian railway station. Huge rows of stacked shelves now stand in the place where the tracks would have been, but the station's old tea rooms and waiting rooms are still there. It was in 2000 that Stuart found the poster in a box of dusty old books that had been bought at auction. Mary liked it so much she had it framed and put it up near the shop till, and it proved so popular with the customers that a year later they began to sell copies. Since that time, the poster has been reproduced, parodied and trivialised, and has become a truly iconic image of the 21st century. It is hard to say exactly why such a phrase from a bygone decade would have so much appeal and resonance now. Its design is considered simple and timeless, and now commonly recognisable. However, it is perhaps the words on the poster that people find most enchanting. Like a voice out of history, it offers a very simple, warm-hearted message to inspire confidence in others during difficult times 
and it's something that should never fade from fashion. To keep calm and carry on. That was a story I did not know, and I thought it was worth sharing. <clears throat> the evidence of that storm and the British ability to stay calm in the midst of war is still very evident when you visit the country. Uh, when I was traveling in England, if I would stop touristing long enough to just stop and talk to the people, the stories were right below the surface. They were still there. Probably the most memorable was a woman whose sister was killed in the bed beside her when a bomb fell near their home and collapsed the roof. And uh, she was, of course, not young anymore, but that story was just so present in her mind. The British saw the war coming, but when it hit, they truly demonstrated keeping calm. Uh, their de determination to save St. Paul's Cathedral is without parallel. On the other hand, their acceptance of the need to make difficult choices about what they would save and what they would not always makes me pause. It is so interesting that the country remains so calm and steady that they never even use the slogan that has become so popular. They never release the third poster. So, what storm is headed your way? If you looked at the weather maps in the last few weeks, you could see the storms headed our way. There was always one over the horizon. In fact, there's another one headed our way this weekend. Yesterday was kind of a surprise, wasn't it? A little dusting, just a little dusting was what we were supposed to get. Life is that way also. Sorry, it's just the truth. There is always another storm just over the horizon. I told you this was going to be encouraging. It'll get better. But right now, I need to say that there is always another storm over the horizon. And storms vary greatly. I grew up in California. I never watched the weather until I moved to Missouri. That was when you turned the TV off, when the weather came on, because it was just the same thing day after day. Who, who needed to watch that? But when I moved to Missouri, I learned to value the weatherman. Even if they weren't always right on target, the amazing thing is that they're on target so often. Storms can, can come as a gentle rain, a torrential downpour, an ice or snowstorm, or a tornado. Life is like that too. Storms in life come in many forms. We don't always have the vantage point of seeing the future, but often we can clearly see the storm coming, like the first time you read the syllabus for a new course. That's kind of the feeling you have, isn't it? You sit there, and I've, I've, I've introduced syllabi for 30 years. Nobody cares what I say. Right? I'm going over the objectives and nobody's listening. They've all flipped over and all they want to know is what they have to do to pass the course. Right? And that's where the storm is. That's where you see it. And, and the verse, our verse, you cling to it at that point. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So tonight, I'm going to spend the next few moments focusing on the end of the verse, a sound mind. Now, culturally, where do we hear about a sound mind? We hear about a sound mind when we write a will. The will begins, I being of sound mind, but sometimes what comes next is anything but sound. For instance, in a list of the top five crazy wills, the following two were most memorable. Countess Corlata Lebenstein left it all to her dog. Her sole beneficiary was a loyal canine friend, Gunter III, who inherited her $8 million fortune. We have students here who are trying to pay for an education, and the dog got $8 million. That's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Robert Brett loved to smoke cigars. His wife loved nothing more than stopping him from smoking those cigars, completely forbidding him to smoke cigars in the house. So Brett left his spouse his entire estate upon his death, but there was a condition. Luckless Mrs. Brett would have to smoke five cigars every day to keep the money. <laughs> now, I just want to say, you know how the will started being in sound mind? Those are not sound minds that did that. And there were three more examples. If you want to look up the five craziest wills, you can look them up. There were three more examples that were just almost as bad. But just in case you think these individuals were a rare case in the human chain of thinking individuals, I have a common everyday example of the fact that we may not always be in complete control of intelligent thought. I hate to break that to you. First, now, some of you have been witness to the fact that I have been on a concerted effort toward health and fitness for the past few years. I did this really interesting thing Monday. I felt led to go watch all my chapels. There's seven of them. And um, my goal at the beginning of those chapels was to lose 100 pounds by the birthday that's coming up this June. And I'm only 10 pounds away. Okay. Now, I just want to tell you that it has been a studied, determined march to the finish. It has everything to do with health, exercise, eating correctly, exercise, more eating correctly, more exercise. <laughs> Strength from God and friends and family to cheer me on, especially one good friend who's carrying me to the finish line. It has been also a journey of knowledge. Why do we make poor eating choices? Now, I'm not picking on anyone here. I mean, if you saw the first video, <laughs> you'd know. You know, I've been there. Okay, um, but we all own bad food choices at times. So, I ran across an interesting study that found that just, this is so interesting, just putting healthy choices on a fast food menu gives people license to make poor choices. Somehow, just having the salad up there on the marquee makes it okay to choose the fries. I mean, they proved this. Industry researcher Darren Tristano concurs. 
What people say they want and what they do don't match up. If they say, I'm going to order more salads, they're going to order the french fries. Interestingly, while the waistlines of many consumers might be suffering as a result of actually including the salad on the menu but no one eating it, food retailers seem to be reaping substantial rewards. That means they're making more money. For instance, in a recent consumer loyalty study, McDonald's moved to be the front runner. Um, they're typically low in the rankings, but their turnaround performance was attributed to the inclusion of healthier items on the menu. It didn't mean that people chose them, but they thought the menu was healthier just because they were there. So, let me condense this into saying that just the fact that there are healthy items on the menu makes us believe that everything on the menu is healthier and gives us a license to choose unhealthy items. Really? Does that type of reasoning bring a sound mind to the front? Probably not. Now, I tried to think about this. I, I thought, wow, I would never fall into that trap. Or would I? I had a conversation with my daughter because they started serving uh, apple slices in the, in the kids' Happy Meals, right? And somehow, I mean, when we thought about it, somehow that made us feel like the whole meal was healthier, right? Oh, that's a much healthier meal. It didn't matter that maybe the kids didn't even eat them, right? Or maybe you asked for the french fries instead of the apple slices, but somehow it gave you the illusion that everything was healthier. So, what is my point, now that I've beaten us up about our fast food choices? We cannot take for granted that we possess a sound mind. <laughs> Simple as that. We cannot assume that just because we think or believe something, it is either wise or true. And we cannot assume that just because we feel good about a decision, it's a good decision. A sound mind is not a given. My dad, my dad who is 97, and lives with me, and is just as sharp as he can be. Sometimes I have to have him help me. Um, he said, there's no idea so crazy that you can't get a following. <laughs> and uh, he reads the paper every day, and he'll share some of those with me. And he'll say, there's no idea so crazy you can't get a following. So, if, if our verse is saying that God gives us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, is it just a gift? Does God just give us a sound mind? Oh, I'm a Christian. Okay, I have a sound mind. Well, I believe in order to answer that question, we have to really determine what sound mind means in the verse. So it's time for a word study. And I made a word cloud out of it. I thought that would be more interesting than a list of words up there. So, discipline, self-control, wise discretion, sound judgment, sensible, sober. We would all agree that these words build a picture of someone who is wise and in control of his or her life. And then I went on and I, I looked at the root words and, and I came up with this list. 
and admonishing or calling to soundness of mind, to moderation and self-control. Of sound mind, sane in one's senses. Curbing one's desires and impulses, self-controlled and temperate. Now, I don't know about you, but by the time I got done with this, I had a clear picture that it was not so much about a gift that God was giving me as a responsibility to develop. In other words, a sound mind doesn't just happen. It requires us to think reflectively, consider everything that we do. Clear thinking is a habit of the mind. What this verse is saying is that God can help us develop soundness of mind, but any discussion of human nature will convince us that that just doesn't happen. It isn't magic, is it? It is based upon choices that we make every single day. Sometimes it requires us to set aside fear. Remember the syllabus? Okay. Um, I teach math. If you ever want to see fear in people's eyes, <laughs> look at the eyes of some of my students who enter the math classroom. I'm looking at some of you. Okay. Um, it requires us to make a decision not to panic in the face of an impending storm. Now, anyone who knows me very well will tell you I am a California girl. I, I, I've lived in snow country for years, but I don't really like it. I try to like it. Isn't it pretty? No. <laughs> it's pretty on the mountain. But I, I just don't like it. And, I, and you especially know, if you know me at all, that I do not like to drive in it. In fact, if there's even a hint of snow, I ride home on Monday nights when I teach with Ronnie Wilson. <laughs> and he drops me off at my door <laughs> because I don't like it. So my Michigan friend loves the crunch of snow under the wheels of her car, under the tires. I don't even get that. Isn't that a great sound? No, it's not a great sound. Um, I don't get it at all. So when I found myself driving home, see, that's, that's me in that car, during the final round of storms last week, I was not happy. Um, in fact, I'd come to town to meet a student <laughs> and who's sitting here and laughing, and I got stuck out in the storm. Uh, living in Falcon is just an adventure, you know, because you go up Meridian and you go up, the altitude gets higher and higher. By the time you get to our house, you're really in Black Forest, and, and the weather in Monument is more like the weather in Falcon than it is anyway. Uh, so it's an adventure. So I'm driving home that night, and I, um, I had forgotten that I was supposed to get my grandson until I got in my car and headed home. It's really bad when you've, I forgot my own children at times, raising them, I left them at school. Oh my gosh, my child is at school and I didn't pick them up. So now I forgot that I was supposed to get Sabian. And so I, I of course, I went to go get him. And so now I'm not only in the snowstorm, but I am also with my grandson in the back seat. 
I'm listening to the radio. 24 was closed. 94 closed. Police were on cold report status. Accidents were occurring all over the city. And I was driving home in it with my grandson. So the announcer was saying, stay home, get off the road. At the same moment, I was engulfed by whiteout conditions. So that, that's what you're seeing up there. And, uh, and, and that's me, and in my head, I'm thinking California. <laughs> that was, I don't know why I left there. But I had been working on this message, and I knew that the spirit of fear was really not going to be productive. In those moments when the storm hits, fear is just not productive. So I thought about keep calm and carry on. That was what I needed. So I said a prayer. I settled in. I turned up the radio, the music, not the announcers. I discussed the wind and the fact that we really couldn't see the sides of the roads with my grandson. And I made it home plowing through the snowdrifts into the safe confines of my garage. My husband was standing there. He, I was texting him and letting him know where I was all the way across. You know, my whole family knows I'm out in this and I hate it. Okay. So um, when I drove in, you know, I'm sure he thought that, he would, that I would want him to get me up into the driveway and into the garage. No, I was keep calm and carry on. And I just plowed through the snowdrifts and got into the garage. So. Uh, the words that I'd read that morning, Matthew Henry's words, that I, I thought they were very fitting. We are given the spirit of a sound mind or quietness of mind, a peaceable enjoyment of ourselves. That's hard to find in the storm, isn't it? For we are oftentimes discouraged in our way and work by the creatures of our own fancy and imagination which a sober, solid, thinking mind would obviate and would easily answer. I love the part about creatures of our own fancy. Those imaginings only make our circumstances worse. In times of stress and storms, it is sometimes just so hard to have a sober, thinking mind. Now, I can't tell you how many times during my 30 years of teaching adults I've had to put someone back together again. Some of you in this room I've put back together again. Not because of the reality of the situation, but because of what they imagined it to be. It wasn't really the reality that was as bad as the imagination. We can truly believe that we are an egg sitting on a wall and refuse to accept the help of those that God has placed in our lives. I think of the people of England during those days when the war was approaching their shores. What a time for imaginings. There is just no way to keep calm and carry on when your imagination gets the better of you. Power and love must have the calmness of a sound mind. So my prayer for you is that you'll have a sound mind this trimester. It won't be, a, it's just not a gift. It takes discipline. You need to pray for God to give you wisdom. The journey is sometimes difficult. Difficult enough without your own imagination creating fears without a foundation. 
Just as I settled in to drive that slippery road home, you need to settle into your studies. That's what the first night of chapel is all about. Time to settle in, keep calm, and carry on. Storms may come. I, I don't know, but there's, there are storms that come through the students' lives on this campus every single trimester. Every single trimester. I mean, you just, one day you're okay, and the next day the storm is just battering you. But God has promised to help you develop a sound mind. Therefore, my admonition to you is to keep calm and study on. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this new trimester. We thank you for these students and the faculty and the administration, the staff on this campus. We thank you that, that we're all here on a mission. We're on a mission to serve you. And sometimes our imaginations can get the better of us. And sometimes the storms can batter us. But you have promised that you will, you will help us to have a sound mind. You will help us to keep calm and carry on. And I pray that, that you would just bestow a spirit of peace and calmness on each person in this room this evening. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you are dismissed. <laughs>